My name is Ben, and I am the director of student ministries here at Mission Point. I'm so excited and so thankful that I get to be with you guys this morning. Real quick, I want to give a shout out to all of our college friends that are finally back. We have missed you guys so much. Great to have you. And if you're a visitor, maybe this is like your second or third time here, I just want to thank you. Thank you for trusting us with your time, trusting us with your morning. I know that can be a, a scary thing sometimes to come into a church with people that you might not know, but we're so glad that you guys are here. And I'm really excited about what we're going to be talking about this morning. Because I believe that God truly has something amazing in store for us this year. And so I want to catch you up. If you weren't here last week, uh, we started a two-week series, and today we're going to finish that series. And it's entitled this, One Thing. And the premise is super simple. We're saying that in 2016, there is one thing in life worth pursuing above anything else. And that's the presence of God. Sure, there are some good things in life to pursue after. There are some great things in life to pursue. But ultimately, none of those things will satisfy. And we're saying, and we believe, that if we pursue after the presence of God, then we will find the satisfaction, we will find the blessing, we will find the richness that God has for us. And I know that's a really bold claim. I know that. And last week, we looked at the story of a man named Abraham, a guy who chose in his life to make God the thing that he pursued above everything else. He gave up comfort. He gave up his home. He gave up relationships. He gave up land and riches and safety and security. And he even was willing to give up the one thing on earth that mattered to him more than anything else, his son. But he was willing to give those things up because he believed and he knew God to be infinitely more precious more valuable than anything else that this world could offer. So we can follow his example. That can be an encouragement to us that we don't have to cling to this world. We don't have to cling to the brokenness, the the death, the destruction, the darkness, the emptiness that we find in this world, but rather we can run to a God who calls himself living water, calls himself the bread of life. And our foundation for this series has been this one verse. And it's really a prayer. It's It's our rally cry. It's a single verse. It's Psalm 27.4. So if you have your, your Bibles, you can go ahead and open to, to Psalm 27.4. That's where we're going to spend the majority of our morning. Uh, if you came this morning and you didn't have a Bible, that's okay. You could, we have some in the back for you. We'd love for you to have. So you can just raise your hand and, and someone will bring a Bible to you. But there's no shame in doing that. Like We want you to have a Bible. We want you to be able to participate and know that what we're saying is true. Uh, so if you don't have one, you can feel free to go in the back and grab one or just raise your hand and someone will bring you one. Psalm 27.4. This verse that is our prayer. This is what it says. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. The writer of this, King David, is saying, you know what, I have an army, I have land, I have wealth, I have riches, all the things that we desire in this life. And King David is saying, I have all that? But you know what I want more than that? Above all that, I want to be in the presence of God. I hope and pray that in 2016, this can become our prayer and our desire. And last week, we spent our time answering the question, what? What should the one thing in life that we pursue be? We found the answer to be the presence of God. So this week, we're really going to answer the how question. How do we begin the, presence, begin the process of pursuing the presence of God? Because it doesn't just happen by accident, right? You can set a ton of goals and resolutions for yourself this year, but if you don't put a plan in place, then it's just not going to happen. 
And so this morning, we're really just going to dissect this verse, Psalms 27.4. And we're going to look, because I believe that the how answer is, is in this verse, and it's very simple. Today, we're going to see three things, three truths, three principles that we can implement in our life this year to help us begin this process of pursuing after the presence of God. In fact, it's going to be really simple, which is good for me because I need simple things. I'm a classic overcomplicator. Anyone else in the room like understand what that means? Some of you just nudge your spouse like, mm-hmm, you know? But let me give you an example of how I overcomplicate things. My freshman year of college, me and some of my, my roommates and guys in my hall, we decided that we wanted to go to Florida for spring break. Uh, we got really excited about this trip. And, and before you guys start judging me on like what I did on spring break, let me just go ahead and tell you. We went to my roommate's grandparents' house and played cards with his grandparents and had races in the, in the go-kart around the retirement village. Okay, that's what we did on spring break, right? But we got so excited for this, and I got so excited. In fact, I sat down at my desk, I opened a spreadsheet, and I did the calculations on how much it was going to cost us per mile to go on this trip. Right? Like, that's a great idea. So I got so excited about this, and I took this spreadsheet to some of the other guys that were going on this trip. Like, all right, guys, so now we know how far we can go before we have to, like, go over budget, and we can, we can make this many side trips, and we can go over here before spending any extra money. And I was so excited, and they're just looking at me like, why did we invite you? <laughs> right? Like, major overcomplication, taking things way too far. But I wanted to know how much this trip was going to cost. I wanted to know how much it was going to cost to go on this trip so that I could save enough money so I could count the cost. And don't we do the same thing with God? Don't we try to figure out how much it's going to cost for us to follow him? What do I have to give up? Is it worth it? Okay, God, I can, I can try not to swear, but you actually want my heart? God, I can show up to church on a couple of Sundays, but you really want a relationship with me? God, I can forego some of these relationships for a while, but you actually are asking for my future? And listen, church, I will say this unapologetically. If you choose to accept the gift of salvation that Jesus offers us, if you choose to surrender your life to God and to pursue his presence, it will cost you everything. And let me tell you, that is such great news. Because that means I can stop holding on to the broken, dying, empty sadness that is this world. I can let go of that. And instead, I can chase after and find the beauty the fullness and the richness that God offers us. So I'm glad it costs everything because I'm tired of this world and I desperately want something better. So King David in this prayer says, the only thing I will seek after is you, God. And I'll gladly give up everything here on earth to be in your presence. In fact, I love the way that that he starts this whole passage. Look at the first part again. He says, one thing I ask from the Lord. He doesn't demand it. He asks, God, can I dwell in your house? Can I gaze on your beauty? Can I, can I seek you in your temple? And again, this is coming from a king who has every earthly desire and every earth, earthly possession that we could ever want. He has it. And he's saying, this is what I'm going to ask for. I don't want more of that. God, I want you. It really makes me wonder, what do I ask God? God blesses food to my body, keep me safe, help me sleep well tonight, help me remember the things for this test that I didn't study, help me not to strangle my boss today at work, 
Those are all good things to pray for. Because God cares about the smallest to the biggest detail in our life. But I think sometimes we pray safe prayers. That sure, God cares about those things in our life, but he's sitting there waiting. Will you please just pray for something a little bit more dangerous? Come on, I got so much I want to show you, so much I want to teach you, so many things about myself that I want you to learn about. Will you just, will you ask for something a little bit more dangerous? Will you take a little bit more of a risk? When was the last time you, you said, God, please show me just enough of your glory to terrify me? Please let me experience just enough of your presence that it blows my mind. God wants us to fall more deeply in love with him, but I think we are afraid of things that might stretch us. It's often the things that stretch us that make us stronger, and I believe that God wants to make us stronger. It'd be like if in you know, the beginning of this year you got a gym membership, which I'm sure many of you did. And you show up, you know, first day to work out. The trainer comes up, says, all right, we've got a great day planned for you. Got some new equipment I'm gonna, we're going to try out. Got a lot of great exercises. We're going to work really hard. And at the end of this set, you're going you're gonna to feel like you really worked hard. And if your response was, actually, that equipment looks kind of scary. And I really didn't actually want to break a sweat today. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk a lap, uh, sit down, watch some of the free cable, and just call it a day. Like, how ridiculous would that be? What's the point of even going to the gym at that point? But sometimes we are so scared of the things that are going to stretch us. We are so scared of the things that God wants to use to make us stronger. And we're just content sitting in the corner of the gym watching. And we miss out. But David, he prays something really bold. He prays something really dangerous. And I hope this year, maybe this can be the year that we decide to go after something that's more risky. I believe we'll find it to be more satisfying when we step out of our safety and comfort and security and into the dangerous beauty that is pursuing the presence of God. I think we're going to find an amazing adventure. So David asked God for this very bold and dangerous thing, but he doesn't stop there. Look at the next thing he says, the next part of this verse. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek. He asks for it, and then he goes for it. He says, God, can I please have this? And matter of fact, can I have it? Now I'm going for it. And so we're going to spend the rest of our morning together really dissecting this verse, looking at the three things that David asked for and then goes after and seeing, okay, how, how do we dwell with God? How do we gaze on his beauty? And how do we seek him in his temple? So here we go. Number one, how do we begin this process of pursuing the presence of God? Number one, dwell with God. David says that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. For many of us, when we hear this this phrase, house of the Lord, we probably think of the church, right? More so the the physical church that's building. So is David saying here that in order to experience the presence of God, we have to dwell in the church. So is Mission Point going to start hosting some epic slumber parties? Absolutely not. But the time when David wrote this prayer, the house of the Lord or the temple would have represented was the presence of God, that the presence of God for human beings was located and confined to a single physical place. If you wanted to be with God, if you wanted to be in his presence, spend time with him, then you had to go to the temple. That's where his presence was. And there's a great depiction in the Bible of someone dwelling there, dwelling in the presence of God. And it's found in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 2, verse 36. This is what it says. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. 
She was very old. She had lived with her husband 70 years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Okay, God, your presence is at the temple, then that's where I'm going to be. This is where you're going to, this is how I can experience you. This is how I can get to know you. Okay, I'm there. Night and day, talking to you, listening to you, just being with you, God. If you're going to be there, then that's where I want to be. But for both David and Anna, the, the temple, again, was a single physical place. It's where they had to go if they wanted to be around the presence of God. But for us now, because of Jesus, because of Jesus leaving heaven and coming to earth, because of him living the life here on earth that we couldn't live and dying the death that we should have, and him conquering death, and now he's seated again in heaven with God the Father. Because of that, the presence of God is no longer confined to a physical place. But God's presence has been released, and for those of us who have accepted God's gift of salvation, have surrendered our lives to him, the presence of God actually now dwells in us. We are the temple, which means that we have unlimited access to the presence of God. We can be with him whenever we want to, but here's the problem. I think so often we trade the presence of God for the presence of everything else. That we choose to to dwell in hours of Netflix. We choose to dwell in Monday night football. We choose to dwell in loads and loads of homework. We choose to dwell in traveling sports teams and accomplishments and records and goals. And we choose to dwell in all of these things. They aren't necessarily bad things. But when we fill our schedule with that, We miss out on dwelling in the presence of God. We miss out on the richness and the satisfaction that God wants to give give us. So how do we fight to change that? What do we do to to change that cycle? When I was younger, if I was ever having a bad day or I just needed to get away from life, I would go up into my room, just shut the door. I'd, I'd put on my favorite Toby Mac CD. Um, Because that's all my parents would let me listen to, and we didn't have anyone cool like Lecrae when I was younger. So I turn up Toby Mac, and I get out my tub of Legos, and I would just start building things. Like, that was my escape. That was my place of refuge. When I was having a bad day, that's where I went. I didn't really think of it this way when I was a kid, but I think I was going just to be alone with God. Just to be able to express my thoughts and listen and be in his presence. And so all through elementary school and, and middle school and high school, that's what I would do. It's my my room and my Legos and God. And honestly, I would have kept playing with my Legos once I got to college, but my mom's a school teacher, and she gave all of my Legos away to her students. So thanks, Mom. But once I got to college, I started having roommates, and I I lived in a dorm. I didn't have a a room to myself anymore. So when I was having a bad day and I needed to escape, I didn't have that option. So what I started to do was I would put on my running shoes, and I would just go run the trails. Winona Lake has some amazingly beautiful trails, and so I just put these on, and I would just go. Get away from the noise, get away from the busyness, get away from everything else. And it was, it was in the silence and the solitude of those trails that I could speak to God, I could listen to God, I could just rest and dwell in his presence. As I ran away from everything else, I could just run to him. And for some of you, maybe it isn't a trail, it isn't running, but it's drawing or it's, it's dancing, it's singing, it's writing, it's just sitting quietly. We all have a place we go to when we need to escape. We all have that place that we go when we need the rest and comfort. Maybe we don't realize it in the moment, but we're trying to get away from everything else. And what if 
in those places and in those moments. We try to experience the presence of God. What if in that place of escaping life, we say, all right, God, it's just you and me now. I just want to sit with you. I just want to talk to you. I just want to listen to you. I just want to rest in you. To put down our phones, turn off Netflix, turn down the music and the noise of life and just sit with God. Just talk to him. Because we choose to dwell in everything else. But none of those things ever bring true refreshment. That's why it's always one more episode, one more party, one more drink. Because there's a huge difference between doing something over and over again, hoping that eventually it will work and not wanting to stop doing something because it's so satisfying, you don't want it to end. And parents, I think this is a huge thing for families. That you get to set the example of this to your children and to your students. Because life is so busy, so chaotic for them. If they don't see you as their parent taking time to put everything else aside just to be alone with God. If they don't see you making that a priority for the family, then they're just going to overfill, overschedule themselves. And they're never going to get to experience the rich, deep satisfaction of dwelling in the presence of God. And once they get older, and it won't be a habit. They never saw anyone else do it, so why waste the time? There's a job to chase after. There's money to get. So parents, this starts now with your children, of teaching them, of disciplining them to, to put everything else away and just to get alone with their heavenly father and listen to his voice. So this morning, we're going to practice this. Because I think sometimes we, as your leaders here in the church, we can do you a dis, like a disservice. You come in here on a Sunday and it's noisy and it's busy outside and you get here on a Sunday and it can be equally noisy and busy. So sometimes we leave this place feeling more exhausted than we feel refreshed. And so what I want us to do this morning is just to take a few minutes, not a long time, just a few minutes, just practice this. Just put down our phones, to put down our notes, just to sit, just to, just to rest in the presence of God, just to listen to him. Share with him what's on our hearts. Just dwell in his presence. Because it can be really hard to make this happen. I think that maybe, little by little, if we just start to practice it, start to try it, start to, to work for it and fight for it, I think we're going to grow in our desire for it. We're going to see how beautiful it is and, and the satisfaction, the blessing that God can bring to us through it. And so we're just going to practice this morning. So for about three minutes on a long time, so I just want to ask that you guys be willing to, to step into this with me. Just to fight against distraction. Push those things away. And we're just going to sit quietly. You can talk to God. You can listen to him. But we're just going to rest and dwell in his presence. All right, guys, thank you for, for stepping into that with me. Maybe for some of you, that was really helpful. Maybe for some of you, that was incredibly awkward and difficult, and that's okay. Because my hope and my prayer is that over this year, as we, as we work to pursue the presence of God, that these things, the things that we're going to talk about this morning, 
that we will learn to find them more precious. We will learn to find them more valuable, that God will teach us and, and help us grow in our desire to be alone with him. But let's move on to what's next. First, we're, we're going to dwell in his presence. But as we pursue the presence of God, what do we do next? Number two, gaze upon God. Look what David says next in his prayer. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord. And I find it fascinating that David would say this, that David would even use this language, because if you know much about David, King David, he has a gazing problem, right? The later on in his life, he actually gets himself into a huge mess when he gazes on someone else's wife. And that simple gaze eventually leads to an affair and a murder. Because what we gaze on in our life has a huge impact. And David says, yeah, God, I want to gaze on your beauty, but he quickly finds himself distracted with the beauty of something else. And for us, when we hear about gazing on the beauty of the Lord, maybe it's confusing because how can we as humans really look at God? We can't see him physically, so how can we gaze on his beauty? So maybe David here, maybe he's talking about creation, right? We can, we can see what God has made around us, the beauty of, of the trees and waterfalls and, and lake and all those things. We can see his beauty in creation, so we can, we can look on that. And that's true. But that's actually not what David is referring to here. And to see what he's talking about, we have to jump over to Psalms chapter 90. And listen to what is said in verses 16 and 17. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. The word favor there can also be translated as beauty. May the beauty of the Lord rest upon us. So what this verse is really saying is that to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord is to, is to really look at what he's doing, look at his works, to celebrate his splendor, to celebrate the things that he's doing, his deeds, things that he's even doing in and through us. That's what we're called to gaze upon. We can stop looking at and marveling over the supposed beauty of the world. Your favorite actress or a bachelor, they'll fade. Your favorite car will rust and break down and fade. And even that diploma that some of you are chasing after, eventually it will fall apart. So there's no point in celebrating those things and chasing after those things that have beauty that will quickly fade. But the works of God, his splendor, his beauty, those things will never fade. And for me, when I think about gazing upon the beauty of the Lord, it really kind of looks something like this. These are the pictures that hang over my desk in my office. And it's, a picture, it's pictures of, of students. Students that I've had the opportunity to, to spend the last year or so with. Most of them are from Warsaw. Some of them are from Mexico. But some amazing kids that God has blessed me the opportunity of, of walking alongside of them and watching as they grow in their love for Jesus and their desire to serve him. And so when I think about the works of God, his splendor, this is what I think of. These pictures, the moments, the experiences of watching students and teenagers say, all right, I'm going to forgo the pleasures of this world and I'm going to seek after the treasures of heaven. So that's what God's beauty looks like to me. That's, that's my world, but maybe for some of you, it looks different. If you were with us a couple months ago, you got to experience maybe our love ops and our love blitz and, and watch as, as God worked in amazing ways through us as we just tried to love people in the community. Lives were changed. 
his beauty, his splendor on display. I don't know what it looks like for some of you, maybe some of the things you've experienced this year in terms of, of seeing God do crazy healing or the way that he's provided for you, the way that he's kept your family safe, the way that he's brought your family back together. But let me tell you this, Ben Higgins will fade. The next president will fade. We will fade. But the works of God, the things that he's doing in us and through us will never fade. And those are the things that we want to celebrate. We want to celebrate his goodness. We want to celebrate the, the difference that he's making in this community. So again, this morning, we're going to practice this idea of gazing upon God's beauty. When you came in, uh, there should have been a, a note card and, and a pen sitting on, on your seat. You can go ahead and grab that. If, if there wasn't one, you can just put your hand up in the air and the ushers will, will bring you a note card and a pen or you can snag one from the empty seat next to you. But here's what I'd like us to do. We're going to take just a few moments to reflect on on 2015 and the last week or so of 2016. To think about all that God has done. The ways that he's provided, the ways that he's kept us safe, the way that he's brought things together and brought healing. Whatever it may be. Whatever you think of and you're like, that that was God's beauty on display. I want you to write it down. It could be one thing, it it could be several things. For me, I could, I could cover this card in the names of the small group leaders that help out with our youth group. Tyler, Melissa, Joseph and Andrea, Chris, Olivia, Joanna, Jake, Jacob. All these people that have committed and served so faithfully this year in our student ministry. Or I could write down the names of, of so many of the students that I've personally got to watch as they've taken deeper and more bold steps in their walk with Christ. But whatever it might be for you, the ways in which God has provided and blessed you and taken care of you this year, the ways that you've seen him move in this community, when you think of it, just, just write it down the card. All right, I know some of you guys are, are still thinking and writing, and that's okay. But can you guys do, a, do me a favor? Can we do something together? Can we just hold these cards up in the air? Look around. We don't know what each person has written individually on their card. But we know that these cards represent the beauty, the works, the splendor of God. That's worth celebrating. That's worth gazing upon. These things will never fade. So that's what we want to look at. And that's what we want to celebrate. I would encourage you to to maybe hold on to this card. This is a reminder to gaze upon his beauty this year. Let's move on to the third and really the final way that we're going to see in this passage that we can pursue God's presence. Number three, seek God. Let's look at the last part of the verse. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek that may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And I love the way that David ends this prayer. He asks God for a lot of things, and at the end he says, God, I'm coming after you. Not in some vengeful or aggressive way, but in a passionate pursuit. And this word, seek, it can also be translated as inquire or, or to meditate. Because we meditate on things all day. 
Whether it's what your parents say to you in the morning before you go to school, what your teachers say or your classmates say, what your girlfriend or boyfriend says, what your spouse says, what your boss says, what someone says on TV, what you listen to in a song. We, we have these things that we hear and they, and they come into our mind and they stay there and we just meditate on them, whether we know it or we don't. And some of those things can be good and positive. Some of them can be really hard and negative. But look at what the Apostle Paul writes in the book of Philippians, chapter 4. Verse 8, this is what he says. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. See, David doesn't want to just dwell on anything. David doesn't want to just meditate on anything. He wants to meditate and think about and seek the character of God, the beauty, the glory of God Almighty. God, this is the thing I want to seek. I want to seek you. I want to meditate on you. And so far this morning, I've talked about some of the ways I personally dwell in the presence of God through running and how when I gaze upon his beauty, I really see it as these students' faces. But when it comes to seeking him and meditating on him, it's really pretty simple. For me, it's this book. It's my Bible. Nothing fancy, nothing crazy. But God has given us his story. God tells us about his character. He tells us about what he's done in the past, what he's doing in the present, what he's going to do in the future, in this book. In these pages, his beauty is contained. And and we read a lot of pages, don't we? When we're looking for something, when we want an answer, we'll read the pages on Google, on Wikipedia, We'll read pages of emails and text messages from friends and peers, coworkers, searching for knowledge. And that's okay to, to go to those things for answers, but we miss out when we stop wanting to learn about our creator and our savior. That he has so much in store for us about himself and, and even about us in this book. We might say, okay, God, I want to pursue you. But like I said at the beginning of this morning, if you want to pursue the presence of God, it takes a plan. And if we want to be serious about, this, about that this year, then our Bible app can't be the app that we open least of all on our phone. This book can't be something that we never touch. Because again, God has written his story for us to read so we can learn about his character. Not so that we can have all of our questions answered, not so that we can have all of our curiosities solved, but so that we can fall in love with who he is, what he's done. So he can teach us about who we are in him, the purpose, the value that we have. And like everything else we've done this morning, I want us to practice seeking God. I want us to practice meditating on God. Sure, opening up your Bible is a great way and probably the best way to do it. But God has also given us the gift of music. That we can hear words, that we can hear songs, and it can help us to, to think about him, to, to hear things in a different and a new way that allow us to, just to, to sit and rest and gaze upon his beauty. So we're going to take some time, that the band is going to come up. We're going to take some time just to, to sing some songs and listen to them, some songs that highlight God's greatness, God's story, the things that he's doing in us and through us and for us. And I want to encourage you. During this time, we can, we can just sit. We can just listen to, to what God wants to say for us, to say to us. You can just dwell in his presence quietly and just, just listen to these words. 
Or if you feel called, you can stand up and, and just celebrate all the things that God's been doing. As we talked about gazing upon his beauty, just to say, God, this is what you've done. I want to celebrate this. We can stand and, and lift our hands into the air. You can, you can read these words. You can listen to these words and meditate. What is this saying about God and his character and his presence, his love, his goodness? But this room is yours. This, this time is yours because we spend so much time chasing after things that will fail us. Chasing after things that don't satisfy, things that will break and fade. But the creator of the universe, God, the same God that gave up his life to save us and invite us into a relationship with him, he's inviting us again to step into his presence, to experience something greater than anything this world can offer. Abraham gave up everything for God's presence. David sought after God's presence above everything else. And that invitation is the same for us today. Will we forgo the safety, the security, the, the pleasures of this world that will never satisfy? When we pursue after a God who says, please come to me, I can give you life. I can give you everything you've been looking for. I have it. Come to me. My prayer for us this year is that we will stop chasing after things that won't satisfy and we will run to the God that brings ultimate and true and full satisfaction. So this room this morning is yours. This time is yours. Engage God. Step into his presence. I know it's dangerous. I know it's risky. Maybe it's scary. But here's the invitation. Today, will we take just a small step beginning of the year step into his presence and pray that over the next several months he will grow us and draw us closer to him this time is yours enter into his presence my prayer for us is that as we leave this place we will we will stop pursuing after anything else in this world above pursuing after the presence of god through dwelling in his presence and seeking after him, through through gazing upon his beauty and meditating on his word, we we can begin to enter into a lifestyle of seeking after the presence of God and finding the richness, the beauty, the satisfaction and fulfillment that we've been looking for for so long. That's my prayer for us this year. That's why I pray that we decide together to go this year.